living, learning, and loving are all experiences that affect each one of us at one time or another. The three L's hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor, is here to help you navigate life in a down-to-earth and realistic way, one podcast episode at a time. Be well and live, learn, and love to the fullest. Hey guys, so today is a little bit of a deviation from true mental health tactics and strategies for mental wellness. Um, And instead, I'm going to focus more on tips that I have learned over my several years of owning Humanitas Counseling and creating or starting a business. Um, I see this happen a lot. I work with a lot of creatives, um, a lot of entrepreneurs. And so in the spirit of recognizing how intertwined mental health can become with our work life and financial status, I really am excited to talk about some of these tips and strategies today. So a lot of these have been formulated based upon my own opinion. Um, I never tell anyone what they should or shouldn't do, but I consider these all very helpful suggestions and really things that I wish someone would have told me just straight out, outright when I created Humanitas Counseling. So I I love business models. I love creating a business. For me, it is such a, a creative outlet. It's another way of problem solving and finding solutions to an issue that may be going on. And so starting a business is a great way to solve a problem in your community or nationally. So I like to encourage folks to consider that your business is ultimately a living entity. It's always, there's growth, there's um, slow periods, sometimes issues will present itself, much like being human. Um, So a business should never be considered dead or stable. And I feel like when you kind of stabilize and you, you don't touch it, that's when things can happen. So I'm not saying that there should always be issues going on with your business, but ultimately there's always going to be room for problem solving and restructuring, things of that nature. So one of the first tips, if you are working in any kind of service field or if you have a product that you are trying to sell, my number one go-to tip is to niche down. Define who is your ideal client. And I'm talking on the most specific level ever. What does he or she look like? Where do they shop? How old is your ideal client? What's their income level? And then what are their pain points? Why would they come seek out a service or a product from you? And what is it going to do for their life? So obviously I can consider mental health. Um, I 
my own kind of niching down has evolved since when I first started. You know, when I first started, I was much more general. Um, and now I have really kind of narrowed down my ideal population. Most of them high achievers, type A, perfectionistic personality types. Um, and as a result, may have some anxiety or depression. I have my age target range that I like to work with and that I just from previous experience have have been able to be successful in helping. So I encourage you take a look inward and figure out if you've had certain interactions with people in even in your current full-time job. What what were their traits? How were you able to successfully help them? And then from there create kind of that path to success and who is your ideal client? Um, and the reason I bring up where do they shop, what are their, is their income level, because your marketing plan, your branding, your advertising strategy is going to look very different based upon those unique characteristics of your ideal client. So if you're targeting a higher income population, maybe they shop at Whole Foods um, versus Walmart. And so your advertising will look differently as well as your game plan for getting your product into Whole Foods versus getting into Walmart. So um, consider all of that kind of the ideal client avatar and niche down. That's where your whole kind of marketing plan can be born from. Secondly, I encourage you to become intimately acquainted with the ins and outs of your business. Can't tell you how many times this has presented itself just amongst colleagues that I've talked to um, that there is an unfamiliarity with billing and how that works, um, their bookkeeping status, even scheduling. So I also want you to sit down and become so aware of the cost of everything that you are spending your money on to promote your business. So let's say you have a monthly subscription to some kind of advertising service and every month you're putting out $100 to $500, yet you're not taking that time to assess what those returns on are. are. This is this is not going to be sustainable because if you're spending, let's say, $500 a month and you're only getting, you know, one client every other month, then that is not going to be the best use of your money. So become very intimately acquainted with the ins and outs. I can only imagine if you're selling a product and you have to go through like a distribution service you better be in those meetings talking with the distributor. How is this going to work? What does it look like? How often do we, you know, send our products out? Knowledge is power. And if when it comes down to it, if you're putting in your hard mon- hard earned money to a distributor distributor to an advertising agency and you're not aware of the returns that they're yielding, then this can be a potential pitfall of owning a business. So start from the ground up. 
you know, consider your business almost like building a house. You are the one that is putting in the framework, laying the foundation, putting the roof on. What does every step look like? It may sound overwhelming, but break it down day by day. You know, what would be one, is it billing? Is it cost of goods that you want to sit down and target for an hour and assess? Um, Then is it your scheduling process? If you're in the human services field, what does that look like? The best, and this is kind of a, a side note to step two, but one of the biggest, um, advantages or biggest tips that I can also add on that I've learned is to systematize almost as much as you are able to. And I'm talking from the time you answer the phone. Um, if you're meeting with the clients, have a systematic approach. How do you end that meeting time? Structure your business in a way that If somebody comes in, they know exactly how something works. If you're the one holding all that knowledge in your mind, how would somebody else who eventually, if your business grows, you will have to employ someone, how will they know the procedures, protocols, and policies that you have in place? Um, And I'm talking, this is on the basic level of dress code to um, how you want your employees to interact. Now, there are some kind of legal implications for whether or not you are employing an independent contractor versus W-2 with W-2s. You have a lot more say-so in how you want them to operate within your business. Independent contractors, you don't. So really consider if your person that you're employing, if they fall more under a W-2 or an independent contractor, um, and then go from there. I would definitely recommend seeking out consultation from an employment attorney if this is something that you're questioning because the last thing you want is for an independent contractor to ever come back and say oh well you you were making me do this and that and that's more of a w-2 status so really dive into even those pieces of the business um but systematize 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 keep a living document on your laptop of policies and procedures that you want to have in place so that way even one day if you want to sell your business you have everything in place so that a buyer can come in And it's just like they're getting a pre-cut, pre-made business, and it's a very easy transition. Um, So that's just where my head always goes. I like to think about what could happen in the future. Do I, if I sold my business, what would that look like? So become intimately acquainted with the ins and outs of your precious business, your business baby. Build that foundation, set up the framework. Okay, so step three, set boundaries when you are working on your business. Create a start and stop time. If you have a family, if you're married, if you're single, I don't care what your situation is, you have to set a boundary for you so that you don't get burnt out on working on your business. Now, I realize that in some ways I'm kind of the pot calling the kettle black because 
in my initial stages of building, I definitely broke my own boundaries and sometimes that will happen where you find, oh my gosh, I put in 80 hours this week. I woke up at 5 a.m. I didn't get started till 5, I didn't end until 5 p.m. That is not sustainable. So if you recognize that that pattern is coming up for you, take a step back. There's always gonna be something to do with whatever you're trying to market, sell, retain clients, get clients, and it's up to you to draw the line line in the sand at 7 p.m. I'm done. And when we take those breaks from working, that's when more creativity is born. So I want you to keep that in mind. It's so important. With setting boundaries, there also comes thinking about who will you work with and who is not your ideal client. Now that may sound counterintuitive, especially if you really are trying to drive up business and earn income. You may think, well, why would I turn people away? Trust me, you can't help everyone. It's just how it is. I know that there are certain issues even in the mental health field Of course, I received some training on it in grad school, but I am not a specialist. I am not an expert. So owning your business and serving your clientele is getting really honest with yourself, taking ego out and thinking, what is in the best interest of my clients or my customers? I will tell you, there have been times back when I answered, um, had to do the reception work for my business, I would literally answer a phone and recognize in that initial quick screening out process that I have in place of what is somebody's client, you know, issue that they're bringing, what do they need help with? I would recognize, oh, okay, you need somebody who specializes in autism. While I can definitely do social skills training, I know that that is not my where my expertise lies. I would refer them out. Lo and behold, they would end up coming back because they would recognize that that somebody else in their family did have um, something going on that I did specialize in. So sometimes just by you providing that expert recommendation or referral out, it brings in business. So um, something to consider. Who are folks that are your ideal client and who aren't? Um, And when I say take the ego out, it's very important to know. I think think sometimes people go into business thinking that they can help everyone and anyone. And maybe you can. Maybe that, that is something that you can do. But defining down that niche makes it so that you really very much become an expert in working with and marketing to that particular population. So consider that. Set those boundaries, um, you know, and even boundaries around certain treatment that you get from clients. If somebody is consistently unkind to you and you're you're trying to work with them and provide a skill, that may not be your ideal client. Um, if somebody is constantly, you know, I don't know, returning a, a, a goods that they have purchased from you, then maybe that tells you I need to set a return limit policy. Now, I don't know if you can do that because I'm more in the human service field, but that is, those are things to consider. Learn from the things that are going on 
when you feel tapped out and exhausted, it's time for you to set better boundaries. With boundaries, there also comes setting your prices for the cost of your goods. Now, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. But the first thing is I always like to do a market analysis. What are other people in my field charging for their services? And with that, I'm looking at experience level. I'm looking at length of time it takes to perform or hold a mental health therapy session. For you, that may look a little bit differently. What are the ingredients that you're using in your um, you know, new drink that you're trying to sell and get on uh, the shelves of your local grocery store? Are your, are your ingredients more expensive than others? Do you have something more unique that somebody else doesn't have? Boundaries does involve prices. And I see this a lot in terms of people not charging their worth because they are just so desperate to get clients in the door. So while setting maybe a lower price may get more clients or may may achieve you being able to sell more initially, you're going to end up having to raise those prices. And when you start selling out of your, of your goods, if your calendar starts getting really booked up, then you know it's time to raise your prices. And in fact, I encourage all of all entrepreneurs to every year do an annual fee increase. Cost of goods goes up, office spaces increase, uh, we know taxes increase, um, sometimes business licenses, business taxes, those all go up. So be okay with charging your worth. And with that being said, you also have to consider how much are you paying in taxes a year? What is your cost of advertising? What are your overhead costs that you're paying out every month, every week? Because before you know it, when you when you sit down and you evaluate how much you're spending on everything else, it takes takes money to to make money when you own a business. Are you even making a profit? If you're not making a profit, you gotta increase your your prices. How will you be able to sustain as a business if you are not making some kind of profit? It's just how it is. You've got to pay yourself. So step four is a little bit similar to number three in terms of, you know, charging your worth and setting prices. But if you are in the initial stages of owning your business and starting, now this is purely my opinion, but I encourage you to keep your cost low. Why would you outsource if you don't have any money coming in? So this kind of goes back to what kind of goods and services are you paying to have done for your business, especially if you could do them yourself. Um, now, I am so just kind of type A and a little crazy, but I also love the business process. So I went ahead and taught myself coding and how to create a website because I, I, it, when I first started my business, although I had saved up money to start it, I could not afford to pay the monthly maintenance fee of outsourcing a web service to create a website for me. Um, 
I could not afford, or I mean, I just didn't want to pay out to have a receptionist to answer my phone when I didn't necessarily have any clients. So what was the holdup in me answering my own phone? So consider that. Are you in the place where you have enough money coming in that you can afford to hire that assistant, to pay for a web designer, um, to pay for somebody to create a logo for you? In this day and age, all it really takes is a some research on how to do things yourself. I can't tell you how many hours I watched um, YouTube tutorials. Um, my my hosting service is through HostGator and WordPress for my website. I sat down. I mean, I would spend eight hours a day just working on building the website. And I'm so glad I did because now I know how to do it. Um, it's become very easy. So sit down, ask for recommendations on maybe colleagues on what they're doing with their own web services, their own virtual assistants, their reception services. Are they answering the phones themselves? But this is something for you to consider. In the beginning, keep costs low. How do you make a profit if all this money that you don't have is going out to outsource things that you ultimately could be doing. So if you're not even that busy, consider, you know, QuickBooks and um, doing your own bookkeeping, things of that nature. Okay, so step five, sometimes I've noticed that when people first start a business, because they're not just booming, they don't even consider it like a real business. But I'm going to tell you right now, it is a real business. So in addition to making sure that you choose whatever business structure you have, um, so if it's an LLC, PLLC, um, S-Corp, which is for tax purposes, um, a corporation, make sure, number one, that you have those things in place. Number two, make sure that you have your liability insurance in place. And then the more I talk, the more I think about um, if you sell anything, if you, whether it's art, whether it is, um, you know, massage therapy, uh, counseling, consulting, make sure you have separate bank accounts because if you ever were to get audited, it becomes so much easier if you have separate bank accounts in place for you to say, oh, well, all this money going in, all this money going out, that was all related to my business. Once you intertwine and you're dipping into this business account with your, you know, or, or taking things out from your personal account to pay for business, the, the waters can get a little bit murky. So develop that structure, LLC, PLLC, go straight to that bank that you use, set up a bank account. Even if you don't have money coming in or out, it will come. We are going to put that mindset for success out there. The money will come. And when it does, have everything in place for a smooth transition. So this was my original tip five. I kind of went off on a tangent, but have contracts in place for everyone who works for you. In addition to any services that you provide, if you have an independent contractor, if you have a W-2 employee, 
if you have an assistant, if you have a, a web designer, have a contract in place. And this is something an employment attorney can help you with. Because the last thing you want is for somebody to come back and say, oh, well, you said that you were going to pay me $1,500 when you guys only had a verbal agreement that you would pay them 1000 And then it becomes, you know, a situation. And we don't want that to happen. If it's, if it's not in writing, it never happened. And also a contract can outline... How much time are you requiring of your IC, your independent contractor, or your W-2 employee, or your assistant, your receptionist? What are their job duties? What are they agreeing to? Because, you know, you can, especially if this is a friend that you have decided to hire, it becomes even more important. Sometimes when you mix business with friendship, we all know it can it can go downhill. So protect yourself by having a contract in place. I mean, there are some free um, contracts out there. I believe there's a service called LegalZoom or LegalEase, something of that nature, where they will draw up a contract. But here's the other piece of it. Employment laws and service laws are different in every state or jurisdiction. And that's where an employment attorney can become very helpful so that you know, what are the employment laws in my state? Am I breaking the law? Am I doing the right thing? I'm not trying to freak you out, but there is just a lot to think about. So I this is tip number six. Um, when you're creating a business, now this is kind of... Um, Oh, what's the word? Uh, controversial tip. However, I encourage you, consider working somewhere else, either part-time or full-time initially in saving up money, whether it's $50, $100 a week that you just stow into that business account. And this business bank account can just be an added checking account. It doesn't have to be a true, some, some credit unions and banks offer like a true separate business account. You provide your tax ID, all of that good stuff. But if you're not in that place yet, just draw a draw up just a new checking account where you are separating some little piece of your income into that account. Because as I've said, starting a business, creating a business, it takes money to make money. So consider working somewhere else part-time. I, I basically worked part-time um, for the first two and a half years of owning my business before I could step away completely and make my business a full-time venture for me. Um, there's no shame in doing so. Just because you're working part-time elsewhere, it just takes excellent time management and making sure you're structuring out your day to avoid the burnout, set healthy boundaries, but it can be done. I'm here to tell you it can be done. So create that really good time management and it's not a, an admission of failure. If you don't have income coming in, but you're still advertising, you're, you're um, trying to create new models for your business or whatever, it's not an admission of failure for you to take a little part-time gig elsewhere in your field. Reframe it. You're getting experience. You're learning. Um, but I encourage you, consider saving up 
your money, little chunks at a time, so that when you start your business, you already you don't have to take out a loan. You're not owing anybody anything before you're making a profit or having money come in. Last but not least, so just as I said that owning a business is a living, breathing entity, do not ever stop reinventing your business. So as things change in the world, um, I'll use this example of COVID-19 hitting. I had to do a major pivot and go, you know, I've only ever done in-person therapy sessions. That is my preference. I like to see the people I'm working with. I like to interact with them. You know, there's so much that gets picked up in person that I had come up with in my head. I would lose all of that if I did online. So I had to make a decision. Do I pivot? Um, Do I continue to meet with people in person? That did not become an option for me. I wanted to keep everyone safe, keep myself safe. So I had to create from, you know, essentially scratch a transition from fully in person to fully online. Um, That was a major reinvention for me. And it's exhausting in the beginning. Anytime you do a first time change, a first time reinvention of something, you're going to feel tired. Um, However, put in the work it will pay off. It will absolutely pay off. And if that, if you reinvent something, you notice you're not getting gains from it, maybe it's time to go back to the drawing board. But whether it's redefining your ideal niche of what client you want to work on, redefining your advertising methods that you're using, if something's not working, redefining your brand. I mean, your logo, your um, mission statement, your business is always living. There's always going to be room for improvement. So I'm sure as time goes on, I will think of other kind of helpful hints and tips for starting a business, running a business. But in the meantime, this is what I have for today. I hope that you are able to take advantage of some of the things that I've talked about and feel empowered to structure your business to be what you've always wanted it to be. So with that being said, you guys take care and have a beautiful day. Thanks so much for tuning in to the three L's today. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe or consider giving a rating, especially on Apple Podcasts, so that more people can find the three L's and tune in as well. Also, feel free to follow me on Instagram at Rachel and Dine Counseling for daily motivation and to request certain topics you want to hear more about. Here's hoping that you live, learn, and love to the fullest.